Welcome to No Clip Epilogue, the last word in a podcast that's like a book club for people who don't think that books reward them enough for being good at them. I'm Chad Rillermans. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today, we're going to be talking about Kingdom Hearts 1. Sort of 1.5 final mix. I don't know. We'll we'll talk about it here in a second. Uh, <laughs> which is a game that was developed and published by Square, formerly Square Enix, formerly Enix. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were Squaresoft. <laughs> Squaresoft when, when they, they made, made the this. original. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was released in 2002 on the PlayStation 2, and was re-released in 2013 on the PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Windows, and Switch. Uh, but first, if you give us a like or a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. So, Kingdom Hearts 1, you probably know what it is. Uh, it's an action RPG. Debatably, like, the game that sort of popularized the genre in a lot of ways. And uh, this is and it's the second time that we've talked about it uh, on the podcast. The, the first episode, which I did not re-listen to, and you could not pay me money <laughs> to re-listen to, was seven almost eight years ago yeah, i think it was like 2016 maybe or yeah something. it was a long time ago it's been a while uh so it's good to come back to it especially for me uh because this is essentially the second time i've played the game uh in my entire life uh and we did this with shadow of the colossus as well which is the last non-surprise epilogue episode that we did mm-hmm. uh where we played the original version a million years ago and then now played a remake version uh which is it's weird we're probably that's hopefully not going to be a trend anytime that we do an epilogue uh-huh. uh but it is true of this time i don't know if there's anything i am not an expert <laughs> and do not know what exactly is different between the original and 1.5 uh yeah and on the flip side kingdom hearts is my favorite game right um so yeah i there aren't a ton of differences yeah they actually there was like a um it's really common to do special releases editions of games in japan Mm. so the original kingdom hearts final mix came out in december of 2002 in japan and we never got that in the u.s then when they put out the 1.5 remaster in 2013 it was the final mix version Okay. So, um, yeah, it, it has like a couple extra cutscenes, mainly filling in stuff of like what happened to Riku, which were unnecessary. Uh, <laughs> it added a uh, secret boss with uh, Xemnas okay, called yeah, yeah. like No Name or something like that. Um, they added like special heartless and like other like synthesis stuff. Um, and like that's ca- they recolored the enemies for some reason just because yeah. i mean that's about it i mean like some abilities are different it's like it's not that noticeable right um if you're not like familiar like super familiar with the original game yeah i, I think that's probably true we, we just talked about uh the resident Evil 4 remake recently uh which is a remake of my favorite game mm-hmm. uh and uh <laughs> uh it, it it was it's one of those things where i feel like it, well, it seems less so. Like, to me, the amount that Resident Evil 4 Remake changed the original was, like, vast and obvious. But to you, you were like, you could have told me that this was, like, one for one, mm-hmm. except for, like, these certain things that I obviously noticed. Yeah. Whereas with, with Kingdom Hearts, I was like, was that guy always blue? <laughs> and that was basically the amount of me noticing the changes. Yeah, so. like, I guess this is technically a remake because they lost all the original code and had to completely remake it yeah but it's more of a remaster by definition it's like just the same game but in hd right uh so yeah with just like the final mix like special edition additions <laughs> uh i do want you to run this podcast for okay. the rest of the life but i do want to start at least by yeah I acknowledging do- that this is the year that I'm going to piss everybody off <laughs> because I, I, we did Super Mario 64 mm-hmm. and I just don't really like Kingdom Hearts 1 all that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, having played it now as an adult uh-huh. and basically having not played it since I was, you know, like a wee lad. Yeah, like in a teen, maybe. I could kind of feel it. Like, uh-huh. uh, I don't remember because it's been a while now since you were playing it, but like, I remember you like came in and asked me a question, and I was like, oh, he's not going to like this game. Like, I just <laughs> knew it immediately <laughs> based on what you were having trouble with. But yeah, I mean, it, it it's an interesting game because like 
when it came out which it's fucking 25 years old now yeah um it it, it feels very much like early ps2 game it, it it it's you know steps above something like mario 64 we talked about how that feels really aged yeah um nowadays but uh, i think too like are all of our modern conveniences um <laughs> In, in that we're used to in, in like triple a games now but yeah king of hearts is like a little bit better than that but still has like jank uh, like it doesn't hold your hand uh there's like i remember like way back in the day like in high school <laughs> talking with like jj about kingdom hearts one and him complaining about like oh there's parts of the game where you have like no idea where to go or like what to do and I don't know, I find it, it, a lot of it is rose colored glasses, but like I kind of miss that about games. Sure. Um, I, I don't want to get into Kingdom Hearts 2 territory yeah. already, <laughs> but um, I think they that was probably a common criticism because 2 adds like this patronizingly stupid information bar that's like, kill all the enemies. <laughs> uh, and they like they overcorrected for it. So I find myself, it makes me like double down on like <laughs> the some of the uh stuff that is more janky about this game like in my eyes is like good right <laughs> uh but i will acknowledge that yeah it is it is definitely aged and clunky yeah i i stopped playing kingdom hearts one for the first episode in deep jungle mm. uh the tarzan level and i when i got there this time around I also was like, maybe I should just stop playing now. Uh, they really put their worst foot forward. Like, I genuinely think the Deep Jungle is the worst level in on the PlayStation 2. No, uh, it <laughs> is the worst level in Kingdom Hearts. Like, I think other levels have problems sometimes and other levels are... Uh, much better like i think the best level in this game is pretty undisputedly hollow bastion mm. and even that there are parts that i'm like mm, this feels like a bit of an overreach uh, in terms of design uh but but man i feel like if you look at deep jungle it's really like a great uh explanation of the things that i find tedious about the game mm -hmm. it, it's less that i don't know where to go that does happen a lot there are a lot of situations in this level where they'll use like the name of a location, mm. but you have no real way of knowing where that is in any way. Mm -hmm. And Deep Jungle, especially, you have to do these like weird, those quick time vine events, right. which is like a nothing thing. Like you, it's functionally impossible to mess it up. <laughs> it all it does is like waste time, and you have to do it like over and over again. Yeah. So you, you actually, get, like, from, well, you don't actually have. You to, actually never have to do the vine. Anymore. Correct. Yeah, that was the way that I found to get to mm. where I was going, and so I kept going back. Uh -huh. I did realize later that you could go around, <laughs> but it was not. That was not yeah, in my yeah. head at the time. Uh, but I, I think honestly, the biggest problem that I have, and I want to emphasize here, mm -hmm. that these are problems that I have, mm -hmm. and I also feel like. If you're like a diehard Kingdom Hearts fan, I've never met one in my life, but uh, <laughs> if you were one, I feel like you would know in your heart of hearts that this isn't really why you love Kingdom Hearts in the first place. Mm -hmm. This is not relevant, <laughs> but like the areas in a lot of levels and especially in Deep Jungle, and I think I, the worst defender of this particular criticism is probably the Nightmare Before Christmas level, mm -hmm. where everything is just sort of like a really compact little circle zone mm -hmm. and then just rascal ass enemy placement where they just spawn in out of nowhere and like are seemingly endless mm -hmm. uh and so you'll do combat and eventually you're just like i'm sick of doing combat i'm just gonna run through <laughs> to the next area and so it turns into like a dark soul speed run and that is honestly the biggest problem that I have. I think it's a little bit too persistent for me to be like, yeah, I can see past it. Mm -hmm. But it's also not like, like, I'm still, you still got the fucking rocking soundtrack. You got the game's actually well-written story is as a major departure for many of the games to come <laughs> in the series. So, like, I can't hold it that much against it, but it is why I find the game kind of painful to play. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting that you compare it to Mario 64 because, like, that was, like, the pitch for the game was, like, we want to make a game with, like, 3D, full 3D movement, it, like, in the style of a Mario 64. Right. Um, and for some reason, they were, like, uh, but the only way you can compete with Mario is if you had like characters as famous as Disney characters. <laughs> um, 
and bada bing bada boom that's how the idea was born mm. so yeah it in this one definitely is built more like a 3d platformer uh than other games in the series um it, which i think is a really smart idea for um doing a game like kingdom hearts for like the appeal for a lot of people is going to be visiting the worlds of like these movies they grew up with mm-hmm. because it's like in a platformer you're more interacting with the world itself and you're like there's more attention to detail put into the worlds and like kingdom hearts really leads into like environmental interaction like with magic and stuff mm-hmm. and so I-, I think that's like something that like why one of the reasons i like the game so much because it really does feel like this realization like as good as the ps2 could offer anyway <laughs> of these uh movies um and i just think they kind of knocked it out of the park uh given the time period like it's it's kind of amazing how well they like model and animate these characters on a playstation 2 and they all feel correct and move the right way yep it's really impressive and the fact that they got so many if not the original actors at all times but the uh like at least very good sound alike mm-hmm. well i mean disney handles that stuff themselves right like they have but the fact that disney let them even do it right like on the first outing it may, it really raises the production value of kingdom hearts one way way up above what you would expect like disney was very clearly all in on this concept well i i this is all like hearsay and speculation <laughs> but like I think it's kind of the opposite mm. where uh, like it was just kind of a different time. I know Bob Iger was the president of Disney at the time. I think they they like got the game greenlit and then I'm pretty sure they were just like completely hands off and like almost <laughs> forgot the game was being made. And then we're shown it, and then they were like, Oh yeah, this is fine, whatever. <laughs> and then like th- I think they were mostly left alone. And I think that's also one of the reasons why this one turned out more like like future games feel a lot more like disney was involved and had to sign off on every little thing yeah and they it feels a little less creative like like the things in kh1 i wish there was more of across the series is stuff like traverse town mm-hmm. where you have like merlin and the fairy godmother from uh cinderella living together and like you have like the dalmatian house that's just there and like you have like the crossover of characters more there's like a melting pot of disney stuff right i think that kind of stuff is really cool and i think once like in future games like disney like let them do that specific kind of stuff less yeah if you uh if you really like if you compare this to kingdom hearts 3 the furthest distance in the series that you can go like chronologically and seemingly thematically for some reason everything in kingdom hearts 3 is quarantined off into its own little zone Mm -hmm. and every world has a tendency to just tell the story of its own movie whereas in kingdom hearts 1 it's ape shit (laughs) like people just do whatever and like the heartless are very much involved in like the storylines that are being told Mm -hmm. and everything else like it feels like the the story of kingdom hearts is the thing that is driving the events in the game kingdom hearts yeah and then in kingdom hearts 3 the thing that drives the events is that fucking andy's going to college exactly and you're like fucking what like what about (laughs) why is zeminus even here (laughs) yeah that's a good way to put it um like the the story of Kingdom Hearts is having an effect on these Disney worlds, mm-hmm. and rather than there's the story of Kingdom Hearts, and in the middle you go to Disney worlds just cause, <laughs> right? Which is what the future games are like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like and they, they like that you see them like doing interesting things, like in the scenario writing. Like I like with Deep Jungle where you first get there, and Donald is like, I don't want to go to that world. <laughs> Uh, King Mickey wouldn't be there. We should just skip over it. Mm. And uh, obviously Sora disagrees and they crash the ship, which I think they should have milked that. I feel like you shouldn't have been able to leave the world until the end. Like you had to get the ship fixed or something. Agreed. I think that would have been cool. Um, And like there's inner party conflict, like Sora, Donald and Goofy don't like each other at the start. Um, And like there's other worlds like... um, uh, like Halloween Town, we show up and the Heartless aren't evil. Right. That's interesting. Like, you see them playing with the ideas in ways that they don't in later games because everything's just kind of taken for granted that it's just the way that it is. Yeah. Um. So I think all that stuff's really cool. 
Yeah, Halloween Town is is probably uh it, it's like my second least favorite level to play, <laughs> but it is my favorite level for how they integrate like the Kingdom Hearts part of the story with the world itself because it's like Jack is collecting all of the heartless in order to put on like a grand halloween cabaret yeah Yeah, it's amazing and like has this whole thing and the mayor and the fucking weird doctor guy dr finkelstein yeah it completely like are involved yeah yeah and he's like the yeah dr finkelstein's like doing experiments on them Mm -hmm. like which is what his character would do yep and he like tries to make a heart which is a very Mm -hmm. his character thing to do but also is a very Kingdom Hearts thing to do. Yep. Leads potentially into <laughs> artificial hearts and data, which is a thing that just is in the series later. Okay, they should have brought him back specifically as like an advisor for Organization 13. Uh, very good stuff. For, I, I, and I do really like that. Mm-hmm. I, I think that the, the integration is done so much better in this than it is in the other ones, which I have a better memory of. Mm-hmm. And it just like, Going back to it, I was like, oh, yeah, they did actually sort of know what they were doing originally, at least. Yeah, it, it, it kind of feels to me almost like they were shocked that they were allowed to make the game, like that it actually was getting made. And like they must have just felt a lot of pressure mm-hmm. to like live up to like the Disney standard of quality. Like in. I mentioned like the animations and the modeling and stuff, but like the music, I think, is the real like heavy hitter like um yoko shimamura is the composer and she's my personal favorite like working composer yeah in video games but like she like fucking kills it oh yeah uh, like all of the music feels like it fits and she knows exactly when to use the actual music from the movies where it feels appropriate and when not to and i i, I think it's such like a everything they needed to do to make it feel like authentically disney like they nailed i think yeah i think that the 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 music especially i think is probably it, it is a big part of my enjoyment of the game and i don't have you know this very well i have no attachment really to disney soundtracks i know that we are in a friend group that particularly loves the fucking uh uh genesis uh tarzan soundtrack oh yeah uh so <laughs> yeah, much phil collins. yeah the phil collins soundtrack but i i don't like it really at all and so it's funny to like hear it in the video game and have that that moment of recognition of it but it's it's done in a way that like nearly any game that i play with the possible exception of persona 5 i would get sick of the songs eventually and this game just never got there even though the songs do play the whole time you're in the levels that everything is so brisk and generally well paced that you never get sick of the music. The music itself gives you uh, that nostalgic hit because it's something that you recognize, but it's arranged in such a way that it feels natural as video game music. It really is incredible. And we can't not mention that simple and clean is like a banger for the ages. Oh yeah. Um, So yeah, I actually kind of wanted to backpedal to the beginning of the game and that's a great uh, way to do it. Perfect. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Like these games, this is, I think relatively unique, at least as far as I've ever encountered, but like it basically has an opening like an anime does. (laughs) Uh, It's got an opening sequence set to like a pop song. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah it's it's something that like some people like to make fun of but everyone knows it fucking rules uh yeah and it once again because of the music um yutada hikaru is the one who does the theme songs for the kingdom hearts games and they also slap yep 100 <laughs> yeah. percent of the time simple and clean yeah like the actual like original acoustic version of the song it plays over the end credits and the weird dance mix at the beginning <laughs> uh are both amazing yeah uh, just a real good uh, soundtrack. We should, like you said, circle back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that I want to mention, and if you want to talk about something that happens earlier on, feel free to to preempt me. Mm-hmm. But we talked about this being like the involvement of Disney with the game and everything, and it having uh, like Travers Town being that melting pot. The other thing that it melts together is that it is also a Final Fantasy crossover game. 
Uh, and it's extremely, it's weird because like you, when I heard the pitch for this game originally, I like, I remember hearing people say this, they're like, oh, it's like Disney and Final Fantasy had like a mashup. And I was like, oh, so you mean like the original characters in Kingdom Hearts and the Disney characters, but the original characters are like sort of how they design Final Fantasy characters. Cause the character designers like the same, right? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> fucking Leon is there and Yuffie and uh Aerith. and uh, yeah, and fucking Titus and Waka are on the islands. Uh it's it's actually kind of wild that they just put especially Titus and Waka and uh self. And so, yeah, because they are like child versions of themselves. It's such a bizarre the crossover that like blows my mind and then they ask you like hey do, is strength the most important thing to you <laughs> god yeah so i wanted to talk about the very opening mm-hmm. and then we will get to what you just said yeah, yeah. uh mark my words um <laughs> So one of like my favorite things about the game is the way it starts. Um, it used to, the cinematic goes right into this opening tutorial section, which I think is called like a stationing of awakening or a dive to the heart. Yeah, um, dive to heart. I think is the name of the, the song. area or Maybe, something. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. Whichever. Uh, these have canon names that were established later, <laughs> um, but in it's like this kind of dreamy like black void with amazing music uh where you're on these like stained glass pillars uh where and it's like this like like i said dreamlike tone where this like voice is talking to you it's just in text um and like giving you like this really mysterious uh tutorial and yeah and it gets to this section where it asks you like what are you afraid of? And like, what do you value most? And that gives you like three different answers. And what this actually does is determines how fast you level up, mm-hmm. um, which is very strange. Yeah. Um, and I think is mechanically uh, like a dubious decision, but I think like tonally and in execution, it's like really evocative and interesting. Yeah. Like I always, I know what all the things do or I can easily look it up if I forget um, nowadays, but like I, just because always answer them honestly if i ever replay the game because that's what i always used to do as a kid uh so i just think it adds this like interesting like atmosphere like the atmosphere at the beginning of this game is so thick yeah and it's like not at all what you would expect i don't remember what my feelings play booting it up for the first time but i feel like it has to be so like really grabs your attention when you boot this game up in 2002 and expect like the mickey mouse march <laughs> which they get to um but yeah i just i think the opening is such an interesting opening yeah i think that the actual beginning of the game like straight up from the time that you press start until you get control of your character and do like that whole bit is my favorite part of the opening like 10 hours of the game like there's a point later on where like the game picks up and i feel like i'm I'm really enjoying it again but that beginning part is is very good for the same reasons that you said but i i would like to say that i think the fact that the effectively the difficulty setting of the game that is a one layer deeper than the <laughs> literal difficulty setting that you choose uh is a genius i think it should i think more games should do this <laughs> by changing the game based on your responses to things and not telling you about it mm-hmm. uh because it is it is interesting it it it's one of those things where like you obviously won't know this going in when you're playing the game but the idea of like going in and being like i am great and a <laughs> badass and then having the game like humble you the game won't humble you because <laughs> game of hearts isn't that hard until like the very end of the game but it is it like having that as like a potential thing always like intrigued me and i i i would always point to the beginning of this game as something that i think is extremely cool uh and it's one of those things that you don't really see too much you i think we're getting more experimental again mm-hmm. we're on like the other side of the curve at this point but there was a period where like a game would absolutely not do this yeah like for 15 years between the, that game and now so yeah i may be thinking about it a little too much with my kid brain because mm. like the the whole the whole thing made like literally no sense to me whereas i think <laughs> if like i played it as an adult now 
whenever they say like, oh, your journey will start out tough and whatever the text says, like yeah. I would intuit what that means. Um, but like in my head, it's just like completely obtuse. Yeah. Um, so maybe, maybe it's a little bit more reasonable than <laughs> I, I remember. Um, I mean, that is kind of like who the game is targeted at, yeah, right? Like kids, it, it yeah. is more of a, a game that is, I mean, it's a, it's an E-rated game. Yeah. So, you know, and obviously like that is not borne out. Most people <laughs> who I think even Kingdom Hearts 3 was teen rated. We've moved up. The games <laughs> have grown uh over 18 years or however long it took to make the game mm-hmm. uh but it was like it, it is like a disney game they're gonna have some kind of thing and and to me it makes the end of the game very unacceptable because <laughs> uh, i can't imagine i did apparently when i was a child but i can't imagine a kid having the patience to mm. deal with some of that shit i'd be like let me get a third <laughs> Yeah, ride my bike in the driveway. Yeah, it was very tough. The in the way I remember it, mm. um, and you couldn't skip cutscenes in the original game. Oh yeah. So every time you lost to Riku, you had to watch that whole long cutscene. Um, but um, it was truly a different time. It really was. But uh, yeah. So the Final Fantasy stuff. Yeah. Um, and the island at the beginning. Um, I think it it's interesting because like the pacing's very slow at the beginning, and I think they did that because the concept was so weird mm. at the time. Um, we take it for granted now, I think like, cause we've been fucking goofy and cloud have been fighting each other for 25 years uh. now. <laughs> um, but I, I think like they felt like the need to really establish like the original characters and then the Disney characters separate. Like you got the parallel cutscenes going on at the beginning and then bring them together in Traverse Town with the Final Fantasy characters. And like, then you go to the Disney World. It's like, it's very much like sets everything up slowly and then matches it. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I think it like that pays off in the long run. It is does feel very natural uh, for the most part. But yeah, when you when you actually start thinking about it, there's a lot of weird things. It's like they have their own like separate universe canon for the Final Fantasy characters. As you said, like Titus and Waka are little kids. Yep. Uh, it's especially weird with Waka, um, <laughs> who looks like a, just like a tiny man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, they just sort of shift clicked and scaled his model down. Yeah. Like w- whatever reason, um, Squall from Final Fantasy VIII goes by Leon. And like, that's not a thing from Final Fantasy VIII. It's only in Kingdom Hearts. Yeah um and like him and yuffie are kind of introduced as like friends but they're from different games (laughs) um and like cloud and sephiroth are really treated weirdly like as if sephiroth is like cloud's dark side which is not the way it is in final fantasy 7 but it's like it's really weird how they treat all the final fantasy characters um so yeah i've always wondered if there was like a like a i wonder like there's a lot of uh kingdom hearts interviews that have never been translated to english so i wonder if they've ever talked about that like if they had any like goals or like things they wanted to do with the final fantasy characters in the series because i just always found that very interesting right because i at least where i'm at in because i've played about a third of kingdom hearts 2 in the past couple weeks Mm -hmm. and i know that they've they brought back uh squall and yuffie and Aerith with the worst voice actor of all times for some reason Mm -hmm. and and sid uh yeah yeah sid as well but i have not seen like like tedious and waka have not reoccurred or anything Mm -hmm. they never do cloud and sephiroth though i do know i think they're in the game yeah yeah they're they're, they'll they'll come back up okay so that's like to, to me like i wasn't sure if they were going if they were trying to tell just a side story mm-hmm. about those characters in the games, and then it just sort of got like sidetracked. I, that's what it feels they don't show like. up in the in like the mobile games or anything, do they? Um, the handheld no, games. I no, mean? I don't think they they don't show up in any of the handhelds, and they're not in three at all. No, not either. Um, yeah, so it it does feel like they kind of wanted to do more with the Final Fantasy stuff that just ended up falling by the wayside. Yeah. Um, but yeah yeah otherwise i think that the island part is too slow but yeah, i also think fair, that uh that twi- not twilight town traverse town no in king hearts 2 oh uh hollow bastion no the one before it twilight town oh that is twilight town yeah damn 
The one where it's Twilight all the time? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. I think Twilight Town also is too long. So yeah, yeah. there's I think that's sort of like they want to do they have the same goals with both mm-hmm. uh openings in the game. And so uh it to me it at least is consistent, which is something. Like that's a positive. I do think that like when it's asking you to pick up fish and coconuts, <laughs> they probably could have cut some of that out. But yeah, like it because it does serve its purpose. Yeah, that's classic old 3D games where they feel like they have to tutorialize how to move around right. in a 3D game because it was 2002. But let's not also forget that Kingdom Hearts 3 had you pick up like 200 crabs or whatever. <laughs> so <laughs> They had not quite learned the full lesson. Um, so I guess, do you want to talk about Hollow Bastion? I do. And how it slaps? Yeah, Hollow Bastion slaps. Uh, yeah, so Hollow Bastion uh, is one of my favorite levels in a video game ever. Um, it's it's such a cool level because, like, I love the way it starts, mm-hmm. where you're, like, at the in this, like, weird rising waterfall cavern, and you, like, look up and you can see the castle in the distance. Uh, it sets up like a really cool um, goal where like you can see the endpoint that you'll eventually make it to. That's always fun in games. Um, some cool story stuff happens. Also, like I like how Beast shows up. Like yes. I was talking about how like they mix the Disney stuff. Uh, you get the Keyblade taken away from you. Just like a, a lot of cool stuff happens in the level. Um, and just I just want to talk about like conceptually because I have this Kingdom Hearts Ultimania book that's sitting right over there. Right. Um, I think like one of the like the concepts for the the world, um, it's where the villain is from, and where he did like the experiments on the heart, and kind of where like the whole plot kicks off. Yeah, and I think the idea or in the initial like concept art um, that doesn't quite come across all the way in the game is that like the world is like frozen in time, um, and like that's like kind of like how like why the water is going up because it's like weird gravity. Like, it's kind of suspended. Like, the concept art shows, like, more of, like, a city under the water. Right. Um, and which you don't really get to see in-game. And it's, like, all that's... Like, it's like the world was, like, de- being destroyed. And it's, like, frozen, like, right before it completely uh, disappeared. And it's just the castle. And it's all corrupt and everything. Which is just, like, such a cool idea. Yeah. And not only that, but you get not you don't get clues into Hollow Bastion specifically, but because Ansem is not set up as being the villain really in the story mm-hmm. until quite late. Yeah, it's pretty subtle. Yeah. So you so Hollow Bastion also gets to be this pinnacle of like the plot to capture the princesses is foiled. Mm-hmm. And Ansem rises as the actual villain who, if you are a good boy and are <laughs> reading the Ansem reports that you pick up, is like he is a bastion of knowledge, right? Like he is teaching you things. And then to get there and realize that he's actually trying to embrace the darkness mm-hmm. is uh, much more like, I don't know, there's like a lot of emphasis placed on Hollow Bastion as a world mm-hmm. that I think really it kicks ass at being because it is also like a very cool conceptual world yeah 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 it's it it is where most of the plot happens Uh, (laughs) um yeah you say like it's an interesting thing like what they do with the story because like it's i think it's really hard to pull off a villain like that where like they're absent for most of the story Mm -hmm. uh but i think kingdom hearts pulls it off really well like anselm's like first talked about like actually out loud in a Uh cutscene early on in traverse town um which i think makes it stick in your head a little bit more um and you go on to the like all the disney worlds and like you yourself like as sora experience a lot like it's kind of like a it sets up like a almost kind of like star wars-esque like good like knowledge versus wisdom sort of thing instead of like good versus evil yeah it's like ansem studied the heart and that kind of led him down this like road of like thinking oh like maybe like hearts are actually made of darkness and everything but then you got sora who has like if we're talking in D D terms more like wisdom <laughs> that he gains from like actually going to all the worlds and having like experience with people right. and hearts so you have that kind of like ideological um opposing thing which culminates at the end with the whole kingdom hearts is light thing uh which i, I think is really effective yeah like, it does a lot with a little 
It does. And I think that's what a lot of people get twisted when it comes to the Kingdom Hearts franchise as a whole, because Kingdom Hearts 1 itself, it doesn't have a simple plot. It has a plot that has twists and a plot that has like a lot going on, but it's told in a way that is easily understandable Mm -hmm. and one that doesn't put its emphasis on the complicated elements in order to understand it. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a plot that is like the villain is Maleficent for a long time. And you understand Maleficent as a villain because you're not an idiot. Right. She's the mistress of all evil. She's the mistress of all evil. (laughs) It's right on the tin. Uh, (laughs) And then when it gets usurped and and Ansem sort of comes in in place of it, it makes sense because the story has been going from this escalating, like, uh, I want to call it science fiction. It isn't really, but it kind of is. Where It's got, like, literal science happening. Yeah. Like, the villain is a scientist. Yeah, exactly. He studied the blade and also hearts. Uh, And so... Like as as the story goes on, defeating Jafar no longer <laughs> feels like the epitome of of good. Mm-hmm. It's now like okay, there's something deeper going on here, and I've had an inkling of it happening for the entire game. They set it up early with the worlds disappearing, mm-hmm. uh, but now that you have to confront it, beating Maleficent as like a boss in Hollow Bastion, and then getting to move straight on to fighting Riku, who's been Norded. Mm-hmm. Uh, the original? The original Nording. Uh, uh, the work Nording. I don't know. <laughs> There's something in there. Uh, <laughs> and it's Xehanort. That's what's in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and getting into that part of the, the story from there. It, just, it, it really just works. Like, it works from a narrative perspective, and it works from a gameplay perspective you're done going to the disney worlds at that point you're just like now we're all in on the weird shit mm-hmm. uh, so yeah and i you've said it as well many times it's just like people give kingdom hearts the series flack for its narrative and kingdom hearts one is 100 percent exempt from that yeah uh yeah like the, the the series goes on to kind of in, and there's nothing wrong with anime but like it really <laughs> embraces like anime tropes in being like uh oh, this happened, but like, oh, what about this? Like, crazy <laughs> twist, like, for the sake of a twist, you know, like, this. I haven't even reached my true form sort of stuff. Um, yeah, which it leans pretty hard into as it goes on, so, which is unfortunate, because I think the storytelling in the first game is, like, really great. Um, uh, so, <laughs> I guess, um, to move on to the end of the world, the last level... Mm-hmm. I was just gonna say mm-hmm. on the on the subject of not even final forms, do we want to talk about the end of the world and the bosses oh, and yeah, stuff? Of course, yeah. Of yeah. Uh, so, end of the world is, I think, a a, a great final level. Mm-hmm. Um, it has this real sense of being brought full circle once again because of the music, um, which is the same as it was in the beginning. Uh, which is always really great tonally. I like how you show up to it and you're just like walking on purple water uh like really cool visuals and um one cool thing um i had pointed out to me by this youtube youtuber named uh frustrated jacob uh go check him out if you're interested in kingdom hearts (laughs) um but there's like an environmental storytelling thing um that i never picked up on personally but um Throughout the game, you actually, like, see gummy blocks in cutscenes. Like, they're these little models of these little squares with, like, jagged pieces sticking out of them. Um, and it's, like, they make it, like, a point to show it to you multiple times. Like, there's several cutscenes with it. Um, and then in the end of the world level, you have the, the Great Chasm section, which is right after the beginning where you jump down in. Mm-hmm. And there's all these, like, blocks with spiky things sticking out of them that look a lot like gummy blocks. So I think the implication is supposed to be that the gummy blocks are actually like what worlds are made out of. Like they're like the internal like rocks and things from the worlds when when they disappear. And uh, it ties in with like the journal entry where Mickey talks about the meteor shower and how he found a gummy block and that's how he made the gummy ship. Right. So I think it's like a really cool fan theory that I think is true. Mm -hmm. One that Uh, sort of works. Which is really cool, I think. And it just never brought attention to. I think it's like a cool, subtle thing. Um, But anyway, then you fight the Chernabog from Fantasia. (laughs) 
<laughs> and it's great because to me that actually lends even more credence to uh the like the the idea like the the gummy block idea because ever since fantasia actually from before that but it was more <laughs> of just sort of like a fad in cartoons at the time mm-hmm. disney has always been about embracing sort of the like meta side of its characters whenever it's doing something that is like disney but not a specific story mm. it loves to be like and they, they remember they're cartoon characters you're like they're drawn with ink or they can do these impossible things right uh and kingdom hearts is not an exception to that uh and so to me that makes sense and fantasia is always the one because it is like a cartoon that is set to a real life orchestra performance mm-hmm, not like, on bald mountain yeah like it's such a uh a notable example of something that like the physical world is such like a important part of fantasia as of work mm-hmm. uh and then you fight the chernobyl from fantasia and it fucking is cool <laughs> yeah uh, yeah i remember that blowing my mind as a kid that mm-hmm. they actually would include something like that and once again talking about pulling cool disney stuff yeah uh ksh1 does it better than any of the other games um but i guess to back up just a little bit i forgot about the world terminus section which i also think is really cool which is another thing that's not pointed out to you but i think was communicated to me really well even as a kid it's like this part where you have to like go through these portals and they can take you to like each one takes you to a room from one of the worlds and you fight a bunch of enemies and you get like a chest or whatever right but like i think the implication is just that that's how the heartless gets all the worlds is they have like a portal to each of them um which i think it's just cool it's environmental storytelling it's interesting then you get to the hollow bastion one and it has like ansom's like fucking little research lab and you get to read like a book that has like some lore in it and it's just uh, i think really cool yeah and well done and then after that, you move on to that room where you had to fight like a bajillion heartless while the pieces of the heart fall off the wall. Yeah. Which to me... walled me pretty hard as a kid. I oh, thought that yeah. was the hardest part of the game. I did. The only thing, and uh, you know this, we haven't really talked about bosses. I don't necessarily think that we need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the only thing that killed me in this game more <laughs> than like this ending gauntlet of of things like i only died once to the like million heartless fight because i was being extremely careful after the first death uh-huh. uh it, i died to the chernabog once and then obviously the the fight with boat ansem was tough for me mm-hmm. but the was fucking uh big ursula oh, which yeah. is the most horrible fight in the whole game yeah clayton and ursula tend to be difficulty spikes for a lot of people clayton he's uh in deep jungle right because you don't have cure yet that's what makes him uh, okay i'd be that i've steamrolled that oh go cool. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. A lot of people have, a lot of people quit the game there. Oh, wow. Yeah. I did too, but I didn't even get to him the first time. Uh... <laughs> or at least, you know, like younger people anyway. I right. Know. Like I knew there were a lot of friends I tried to get into the game that quit there. They're like, why did they put, make an invisible enemy? Yeah. <laughs> this is fucked. Uh, but that, that fight with the, the Heartless is i want to say five percent too long Mm. that's my read on it i feel like by the time maybe that's a good thing because obviously it's trying to be like a stressful situation for you yeah you're in the belly of the beast yeah and the combat in the game Mm. is good we didn't really talk about it at all yeah yeah i I thought the combat might be bad yeah but it actually isn't bad because i went and did the uh coliseum fights and that's why I sort of landed on it's actually the level design. It's like too tight. The quarters are too small for you to be able to do much. Uh, so it's not like I'm not having fun with the combat. It's just that like every enemy in that fight, with the exception of the the balloon monster, oh, they can block you. Yeah, have like periods of invulnerability where you just have to like wait them out. Uh, yeah, dodge little fire circles. And I think and it, it makes the fight good for a while, but then at the end, it's like please can it just yeah. end <laughs> well especially after you've done the whole world like you've yeah. been fighting those enemies the whole time and uh yeah You're it, like, it we've, does, we've done everything in the world it really is an endurance test yeah and you've done everything in the end of the world um but yeah yeah i guess we can talk about the combat briefly mm-hmm. um so we don't go too long here yeah but um i, I feel like 
I've done a lot of thinking about Kingdom Hearts combat. Um, I remember after doing this podcast and playing things like Dark Souls, playing things like Monster Hunter, Devil May Cry, etc., all these other action combat games. And then, like, I remember when, like, 0.2 was coming out, which is essentially, like, a tech demo for KH3, for all intents and purposes. Um, And I remember, like, talking to JJ about it and being, like, having this thought, like, I hadn't considered before. I'd be like, oh, no. Like, what if I go back to Kingdom Hearts Combat and it sucks now? (laughs) Um, Because, like, you know, you have the little command menu on the side. And, like, there's a lot about it that feels, like, very old game design where like they felt like they needed a little menu Mm -hmm. for magic and stuff when they could have used buttons probably (laughs) yeah like so i think like it's kingdom hearts has like a million abilities um that's at least in this first one i think the other games have their own unique issues but like i think the like the abilities because i think they want you to make builds like, I don't think they want you to equip all the abilities, which is what everyone does. <laughs> um, like I, because like if you watch like speedrunners for this game, they'll tell talk about like certain abilities that you do or do not want to equip for certain things. And then if you get into like Kingdom Hearts two, like high level play, um, like there's the secret bosses at the end where people have like recommended loadouts of abilities for fighting each specific boss, and it's like that doesn't come across in the game design like at all but i really think that's the way they want you to play kingdom hearts and no one does it you have a billion abilities and you don't even know what one third of them even do (laughs) yeah i think uh, one of the big problems that i think kingdom hearts combat has in terms of like what the game seems to be hoping that the player will do versus what the game actually encourages you to do, which is you want to put all of your resources. And I'm not saying this, like you, the dumb person, not engaging with the game's genius system uh-huh. also to play optimally. What you want to do is dump all of your resources into Sora because oh, you yeah. can play Sora. <laughs> you cannot play Donald or Goofy. Uh, or fucking Jack Skellington or whoever else. Yeah, you want all the AP boosts yep. and defense ups and power ups to go to Sora. <laughs> Which does just allow you to equip all the abilities mm-hmm. by the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Not actually, obviously. Like, there's some abilities that you get for doing things. Right. Uh, and you have to do, you have to make some choices, but it's not that many choices. And you can, like, take off, like, scan if you're comfortable with just knowing how much health an enemy has right. to free up some spots or whatever. Uh, and I think that the game wants you to to give more of a shit about Donald and Goofy, but it just doesn't give you the incentive to actually do it. Yeah, they they learn way less abilities. Um, yeah, like you can. This is the only game where you can actually command them to attack stuff. Yeah. Like you hit the triangle button, and they'll actually like go fight the enemy you're locked onto, or they'll come over to you if you're not locked on anything, which might make them heal you more. Right. Um, which is interesting Um, yeah like it always it feels like the series is always like torn with what to even fucking do with donald and goofy um and it's a hard question to answer because you definitely want to have them there uh because it's kingdom hearts and it's fun to have donald and goofy with you um but yeah like they it is hard to like i think the two probably does donald and goofy the best kingdom hearts 2 where they have like limits and things that like they're actually useful, but you have to really take it into your own hands to like make use of any of it. Yeah. That's why I was actually going to say my potentially controversial opinion that I think Kingdom Hearts three actually did them better because you just very much are hands off with that. You can just let them do their own shit. Yeah. Yeah. And that's probably what it is. Honestly, it's just advanced in technology makes them, more useful as companions without you having to micromanage them, yeah yeah yeah. Which is probably what, what makes it better because in, in kingdom hearts one and i i would forgive somebody if they played the whole game and then they said i didn't even know that this was an option uh you can go into the customize menu mm. which this is the biggest problem with kingdom hearts <laughs> is the fucking menus because there's just too many of them and mm-hmm. you don't ever want to deal with them all, at all but in the customized menu, you can set their behavior. Like, do they prioritize Goofy? Prioritize defending or using uh, his abilities to attack. Pro tip: You definitely want to go in there immediately as soon as you get them and tell them never to use items. Correct, and have Donald set to use support abilities frequently. Yes, uh, because otherwise they won't, and then they'll just <laughs> die. Yeah, uh, Donald is. If you do not turn that option on. 
Donald is perma dead from the beginning of the game to the yeah, end of the game. I, I, can't, I don't remember if it's called like MP gift. Mm. It's an ability that Goofy gets that he can just give you or Donald his magic. Right. Which is a really cool ability that helps Donald Not stay Donald alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a weird thing. But then also like the game at the end of the game, which... Man, I, I'm trying to like point to there are comparisons here that I'm just not coming up with, but like near the end of the game, uh Don and Goofy just don't scale well. Mm-hmm. Like they aren't doing They're even I think both always higher level than you too right? to try and like help the curve, but like it just doesn't just doesn't keep quite up. make it, yeah. So they always end up being like dead or may at the best like they might soak some damage for you while you fly around and do something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they do get those abilities that allows them to take a hit to one HP mm-hmm. before dying, which does keep second them up chance. more. Second chance. Yeah. yeah. So like they knew, like it's not like this was a bad execution of a friendly AI, but it is like a, of the time execution of friendly ai mm-hmm. where they just don't feel like they're quite there yeah uh, but you do like you because they're in every cutscene. they drive the plot more so than sora does at the beginning of the game because he doesn't know what the fuck's going on and yeah. they do <laughs> uh so like it's they're so important to the franchise and trying to make them mechanically important over the series this would be an interesting podcast by itself yeah like let's just look at donald and goofy from kingdom hearts 1 to kingdom hearts 3 and figure out like how they evolved yeah uh they like they just kingdom hearts 1 just feels like they weren't quite they weren't quite done in the oven yeah yeah no i think it's probably the best they could have done at the time Mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean i guess do you want to talk about the ending you want to wrap up or yeah, we could talk. I mean, I want to talk about the <laughs> classical RPG oh. four stage final boss, mm-hmm. the end gauntlet. Yeah, because it is pretty nuts. Like we didn't mention the Riku fight. I think oh, it's yeah. important That's... to note that Riku is the is the relationship that this game cares the most about. Yeah, it's a yeah. That's one of the things I think um, I, I neglected to mention about the island part at the beginning. Um, so I think it really effectively sets up a rivalry between not just Sora and Riku as characters, but the player and Riku. Mm-hmm. But I think it's like so simple, but like pretty genius where they have the competition. And if like you challenge him to a fight and lose, it keeps score. Yeah. Or it's like, Oh, it's out of one uh-huh. or whatever. <laughs> uh, and with the race as well, like it really makes you want to beat Riku personally. And uh, it's all, yeah. It, it all culminates at the end of hollow bastion when you fight riku ansem yeah ransom ransom <laughs> keep ransom as ansem hashtag hashtag uh yeah and and to me like it, it when i first played the game when i third played the game mm-hmm. uh i i was like man it feels like in my memory sora Kyrie, and riku are all friends mm-hmm. but when i played the game i was like Sora and Riku don't seem like friends to me. Mm-hmm. And, They're rivals for sure. Yeah, and it's the kind of thing that like they always, they talk about each other as friends. It seems like they were people who grew up together and were friends and then grew apart as like like puberty. Puberty and <laughs> Riku's like obvious extreme wanderlust of just wanting to get the fuck out mm-hmm. sort of drove them apart a bit. But then we get to see their relationship mature as it goes through the whole series Mm -hmm. but in kingdom hearts one they just play riku as a villain yeah and i think it honestly works (laughs) like like i said i think it is the relationship that they care the most about sora wanting to reconnect with riku and riku just not being well he's sort of wanting to but also like is being legitimately like gaslit manipulated yeah yeah, and it, it it was always like a, a one of my favorite moments of the game when he just shows back up mm-hmm. in like the first third of it. Yeah, and when you go back to Traverse Town, like you just don't expect that at all. Oh right, that part. I was thinking of Monstro. <laughs> oh no, 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 that's much later. Yeah, uh, like he just show he shows back up and like way earlier than you expect him to. Mm. Um, and then he just leaves. Like that was like uh, I remember like running around Traverse Town as a kid trying to like find him there. Right. You know, it just felt so like. It's such a good like motivator, I think, for the player. Um, but yeah, yeah, one of the most infamous boss fights in the game, though, is Riku and <laughs> Ransom. Yeah, 
I love that he one of his uh, like battle quotes is heal this. Right. Like referencing a gameplay mechanic. And the fact that Sora just keeps yelling heal, heal when he yeah. does it. Yeah. Heal this. Uh, I think of all of the like difficult fights in the game, so Big Ursula, <laughs> number one hardest fight in the game. And then Boat, Boat Ansem, <laughs> regular Ansem, Ansem with... Oh, Maleficent Dragon. Yeah, Maleficent Dragon. I think that the, the Riku Ansem fight is my favorite of them. Mm-hmm. It's the one that felt like I had the most freedom to to play it the way that i wanted yeah, to i like that the block is useful yeah uh, like the block is an underutilized mechanic in kingdom hearts in kingdom hearts one yeah kingdom hearts two they're like you can't roll anymore motherfucker you can get it you can yeah just like it, later yeah. uh you had to use limit form to get it right just uh if you didn't know that i actually didn't know. okay so that's a tip for you <laughs> i'll keep that in so mind. just google that google how to level up the drive forms because the game doesn't tell you oh good uh and you will you will want to do that's how you get high jump this is important for anybody who's listening to this <laughs> if it's playing along and is gonna play along and play the second so, yeah, one next just google that, google that. <laughs> yeah just google that uh so you can level those up to at least google like, this yeah google this <laughs> um but yeah yeah no it is probably my favorite fight in the game as well yeah uh and then my least favorite fight in the game is boat ansem yeah i think regular ansem is a cool fight i wish that kingdom hearts has just gotten worse and worse about this as time goes on <laughs> but like the, the ansem fight on the beach mm-hmm. is such a cool fight yeah like the distorted destiny islands beach yeah but he has like 152 health bars and it's like if you if that was just a shorter fight, mm-hmm. I think that would be uh, super cool. Like I wish that he would have murdered me <laughs> so that I could like get in and like learn to do the fight. Mm. But then like because it takes so long to do, I'm like, okay, maybe don't kill me. <laughs> yeah, there's there. I feel like they should have cut something out because mm. you do that fight, then you fight Dark Side as just Sora. Then you do the exact same fight against Ansem again, but as just Sora right uh like it feels like one of those things should be removed yeah yeah it is a lot i think if you went from dark side to the beach fight Mm -hmm. oh do dark side first yeah yeah, do dark side first then do ansem then do boat ansem Mm -hmm. and just skip one of the fights yeah 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 uh you could honestly just take down and Goofy out for the whole thing until you rescue them, which I think yeah, would that would have been a good idea too. I don't know. I'm just you know spitballing here. You know, Enix. Yeah, give me a call now. The square it broke up with you. Um, I don't know what I'm talking about. It was the other way around. It was yeah. Square and Enix merged together. Uh, I'm trying to break them up. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm trying to get with Enix specifically. Uh, but yeah, it is a classic. Um, late game jrpg like grind of a final oh, gauntlet yeah. um i do like that donald and goofy get taken away and you have to rescue them they're in these like weird pits of darkness mm-hmm. and the heartless emblem is in blue on the ground like that that i just think that's all really cool King, it's like kingdom hearts one's like strength yeah is doing cool atmospheric stuff uh so and i love like one of my favorite video game moments as well is the part where you first get to the weird void area where boat ansem is and you just start falling, and then you hear Riku's voice in your head, and it's like, what's the matter, Sora? I thought you were stronger than that. Um, I just think that's really cool, thematic stuff, right. um, and then he can fly, etc. Yeah, thanks to Peter Pan. Yeah, all very cool. Do we have Firaga thoughts? Uh, my Firaga thoughts are, um, as I said up top, this is my favorite game ever made. Um, and like, there was a period of time where I would kind of worry that like, I'd come back to it one day and it would not hold up, but kind of the opposites happened. Um, I I feel like every time I play it, I I like it a little bit more. Um, there's certain things about the game design that I think are fantastic. Like things that like certain games, like a lot of games now don't do. I think it's like an interesting game to look back on, uh, for any current, uh, developers, um, Especially like uh, like uh, the environmental like details, I think like there's like a in deep jungle, there's like in the campsite, you can just like synthesize like potions because like with their like lab equipment, that's like a cool thing they didn't need to do, but it's in there anyway. Um, like little things like that, um, I think are like just go such a long way, especially for this series. 
um like i know you said uh that you hate deep jungle <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> uh like one thing i didn't really talk about so i think each world i think tried to be a little bit unique and in deep jungle i feel like they do want you to feel like you're lost in a jungle um probably like you know for worse rather than for better but i liked that they went for it um i know a lot of people also hate atlantica because they don't like the swimming controls but uh i i like that I, I like it as a difference in kind. I like that all the chests are seashells and that there's no Dalmatian puppies there because they would drown. Like, I like, think those kind of like internal consistencies and attention to detail and like, you know, just like respect and thought put into the properties they're working with are like just outstanding. And I think, yeah, like the combat holds up surprisingly well for a game this old. Um, and I don't know, like, I guess... In the yeah, I think the storytelling is also like, I I get like sucked in every time. Like when I replay like KH two, I like KH two a lot, but I'm so much more tempted to skip the cutscenes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I and I've played Kingdom Hearts one probably twice as many times, and I don't f- ever feel like I want to skip them. So, uh, yeah, I get really sucked in, and uh, I guess yeah, I would just quit uh jerking the game off and just say uh i i really love this game uh i think it holds up in a lot of ways yeah there's some things that are clunky and do feel like they're from 2002 Uh but uh i don't i I, yeah i just i it doesn't matter to me I, i still love it I'm going to refrain and cut out making a ruined orgasm joke when because you were jerking the game off uh yeah, I here my thoughts about Kingdom Hearts are that the game is old and <laughs> I am very young uh, and spry and <laughs> and I I feel like there's a lot of really good ideas here and and to say that there aren't would be just a blatant lie. Uh the game has uh, one of like probably like top 10 most rabid fan bases in video game history. Uh no, I'm probably discounting something here or there, but I feel like there's a lot of Kingdom Hearts fans out there. And I think that a lot of that comes from a love of Disney and of old animation. And if there's anything that Kingdom Hearts just like uncontroversially nails, it is its presentation, its aesthetic. It's able to bring the properties of Disney in to this world that is very, it's a square soft ass world that makes sense like they somehow managed to pull it together in a way that really functions and the music is great and all of that and the the fact that i don't like the game on a mechanical thing shouldn't really mean anything i think 22 years later 23 years later like it is a old game and there have been other games in the series that have iterated on its systems and sometimes make things worse sometimes make things better but for the first game in the series to work so well on so many levels is genuinely impressive i just i don't know like the (laughs) my favorite parts of the game are the beginning and the end and all of the disney worlds don't do anything for me um they do do things for me (laughs) but they don't do anything for me that makes me want to play them this is like a I would re- like a recoded. I would rather just watch the cutscenes for the middle half of the game and then just play the twenty five percent on either side because it just didn't quite get there. Um, but I am glad that I'm done playing it uh, and can look back on the parts that I did like and 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 remember them in my imagination for the next time I inevitably attempt to play the game and go like, oh yeah, I forgot how old it was again. Uh, and being about a third into Kingdom Hearts 2, I do know that, like, it seems like this was probably a criticism that was put forth uh, from other people because it is the polar opposite of the problems that I have with this game. And then some of the things that I liked about this game, they also went in the opposite direction, but we'll get there mm-hmm. next time. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Good game. I liked it. I'm not a big fan, but you know, it's, it's still good. I feel similar to it than I, that I do toward Super Mario 64. Uh, so go listen to that engagement. (laughs) 
thank you for listening to No Clip Epilogue this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, we're going to be talking about the secret of Monkey Island. Uh, and also, as a side note, if uh, we sound a little bit different this time, we are recording in a different state. Mm-hmm. So if this like becomes the thing that makes us world famous and super rich, we will have to file our taxes awkwardly. So don't listen to this episode. Oh, no, it's too late. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, until that time. You can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at NoClipPodcast.com or on SplatterShot.pro. There you can find links to our YouTube channel, to the Twitter account, to our Discord, where you can suggest new games for us to talk about. Uh, and you can listen to all of our old episodes, including ones on Kingdom Hearts 3 and Kingdom Hearts 2 in like a couple weeks. And Final Fantasy X. Yep. <laughs> and not disney extreme skate adventure unfortunately uh, i honestly one of our biggest missed opportunities mm-hmm. one day one day key that like button <laughs> sliding dash that like button did we do an entire kingdom hearts podcast and not say the word keyblade uh yeah that's weird deep freeze deep freeze <laughs> in the comment section, section. exactly <laughs> Um, Fire, Fyraga thoughts. Fyraga thoughts. I'm okay with that. That yeah. one's good. I feel like we've done fire thoughts. Yeah, Fyraga. Yeah, that's totally different. Uh, 